Hello, my name is Andrea Wright. And I'm Joanna Pitt. And this is This Aquarian Life. What's our topic, Joanna? Today, we are going to talk about Aquarius and the magic of the sign of Aquarius. Aquarius! Can we sing that? Are we allowed? We are, yeah. I think our interpretation. I think you get six seconds of like not getting right. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah, I thought it would be great if we just uh, chatted about Aquarius to help kind of create a context because we're all talking about Pluto going into Aquarius and oh, but it's but it's gonna go into Capricorn again in September and I'm like yay. It's in Aquarius now, and I'm feeling it. How are you feeling it? I'm feeling it as well. Aquarius is a dynamic energy. Aquarius is the 11th sign of the Zodiac, and on or around January 20th-ish, plus or minus a day or so, every year, the sun moves into Aquarius, and we are currently in that frequency where the sun has moved into Aquarius. And this year, particularly, the dynamic was so uh, charged, the sun moved into Aquarius, and then Pluto followed just a few hours later. And interestingly, in the Chinese New Year, it occurs when the new moon occurs in the sign of Aquarius, which is actually coming up not that far from now. So there is an energy of Aquarius around renewal and rebirth. And it's a very dynamic and powerful energy and frequency. Um, Even just given the fact that it's the 11th sign of the Zodiac, 11 out of 12, we're we're culminating here. We're we're coming to the, we're, we're, we're in the final countdown before it begins again. It's the final countdown. Sorry. Um, I pulled out my my um, Isabel Hickey book on astrology just because I wanted to like, you know, we were talking about this in your master class, which was, I'm just going to call it your master class now because it just, it feels like such a master class, your, your celestial architecture, which is such a great name. I should actually also say celestial architecture because I just, I love that. I love this idea. It's such an elegant word, architecture. Um, but we were talking about this and how, you know, we get, we fall into these like buzzwords with certain signs, with, with astrology. It's like, oh, that's the sign about this. And it's like, yeah. And it's like 20 other things too, equally nuanced, equally important. And like, you know, choose your, choose your, choose your flavor of it too. Don't, and don't get so limited, which is the opposite of Aquarius, I think, in terms of like limited thinking, although it is a fixed sign. So there fixed is a water. fixedness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ye- fixed air, right? Fixed air. Fixed air. Did I say water? Yeah. I meant fixed air. Yes. You said water, but it's the water bearer. So yeah, well, we I mean, can talk we about can... that as well. It's a fake, it's a fake okay. out the water bearer. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it's sort of like Sagittarius. Wait, is Sagittarius a a centaur? Mm -hmm. Chiron is a centaur, right? Yes. So Sag is too. Hmm. It's like double dipping into into myth. 
Well, I do want to say though, the the thing when you go into the the myths of the of the Greco Roman era and when a lot of these, you know, what's now our sort of modern zodiac, if you will, um, the myth of the water bear was holding the energy of the ambrosia the it was the 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 nectar of the gods was actually what they were carrying so that water coming from you know the jug isn't really it's not direct water like from the well right it's 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 an energy flow that's actually coming from the god source that's coming down into humans so it is in aquarius we it's very alchemical and it's a lot about since it is an air sign fixed air it's the higher mind so again if you kind of understand that this water the water bearer the water coming from that is not a literal liquid it's actually an energy source coming from the god frequency into humans or into earth and it's a way that we can use that energy hopefully for the greater good and for the collective and to raise all of us up to a higher vibration so it's like a honey pot yeah (laughs) yeah yeah but see this is what i mean this is what I mean. And this is what I hope we can do in this particular conversation is like, you know, by the way, it's more than that. It's more than the water bearer. It's like whatever image that raises for you, fine. But actually there's a much more kind of beautiful and and sort of illuminated way of well, understanding of it too. But um, so Isabel Hickey, who is one of the OG astrologers, she's so cool, Joanna. We got to like, we got to talk off pod about bringing her story to life more. It's something I've been cooking since like 2017 when I first picked up this book. But she was an astrologer. She was born in 1904 and like was basically one of the first female astrologers, like pioneering when it was not popular to be an astrologer. Like it wasn't cool, especially like a good Christian woman. But she says, Aquarius is the sign of spiritual rebirth. Going back to what you had said earlier about um, rebirth. And I just think that that's like, you know, I I think that's something we're all constantly doing (laughs) and, you know, constantly trying to claim for ourselves. Like we talked about the timelines on other episodes and I told you how... (laughs) I discovered I discovered a little trick I do now when I'm like I'm on a new timeline. What I'm what I'm saying is like what I'm what I'm really saying is I'm going to be on a timeline where I can now control everything and everything works out for me. That's my new timeline. And then when that doesn't happen, I'm like why doesn't this timeline feel good? <laughs> Which you know, you know when we were talking to like we were, when we were talking about our origin stories and to how we got as far as we got in this sort of uh i don't know spiritual quest that we've both been on i really think i got into all of this because i didn't want to hurt anymore i was like there's got to be a better way of not feeling everything and feeling hurt in this really jagged world that we live in which is ironic because as we know, as you awaken more, as you get into these practices more, it's very confronting and it actually hurts a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of work that we do to sort of strip away these, um, you know, these 
these patterns and these beliefs that aren't serving us, but we're also very attached to them. And that doesn't feel good when that gets either shown to me or taken away. So joke's on me. I got into this because I'm like, oh, this will make life easier. And it does on a certain level. And it also means I can't get away with anything either, which is not is, is less fun. So uh, take it away, Joanna. Wanted to mention that in tarot, Aquarius is represented by the star card. And if you have a tarot deck available to you or want to look it up, um, the star card has a lot of flowing energy and there's a very heightened sense of sort of the realization of the possibilities of the future. And there's a lot of movement here, again, that's pulling energy from the cosmic field through the physical body to create a sensation of life and of um, of joy and of heightened frequency. So it is, all of this is all connected, right? It's like, we want, and we're doing the hard work to get ourselves in a state where we can achieve, I don't like the word achieve, I'm not, delete that word, right? Where we can experience more of a flowing, softer, you know, engagement of our own higher sense of ourselves. And this is interesting too with Aquarius because it's very future oriented. So in Aquarius is where we either address or maybe even confront our hopes and our dreams for what our future vision is. So, you know, this idea of managing your future self, right? So you you definitely yeah. want to put your idealized version of that out there, but it really is a release and a surrender towards that state and towards that feeling rather than a controlling, having a controlling interest in it. Interestingly, in the non-modern era, I guess you could say, in the last couple hundred years, um, the planet Uranus was discovered and was assigned as the planetary ruler of Aquarius. But before that, it was Saturn. So Saturn, the ruler of Capricorn, was also the ruler of Aquarius. But there's an evolution there. So in Capricorn, we're getting this sort of systematic you know, maybe bureaucratic, hierarchical structure where Saturn's giving us that architecture, favorite word, an architecture of our life. And either we're the builder or somebody else is the builder. So we have to determine where our own authority begins and ends, how much control we're willing to cede or, you know, whether we're willing to or it happens despite ourselves. And hopefully coming into a state of mastery, and then we enter into Aquarius where we're taking that beautiful structure of our life, the, the, the sense of who we are at our core, and now bringing it out into the world and moving that forward into, our fu- into the future vision. Because it does require a building before we can, you know, move it out, right? Put your seatbelt on first. Yeah right? Put your mask, oxygen mask on first before you help somebody else. And that's this, that is part of this Capricorn Aquarius transition and what Saturn is really talking to us about. And hopefully that we're learning, you know, in and of ourselves. 
Yeah. You know, when I was reading the Aquarius part in the Isabel Hickey book, like she basically equates Uranus and Saturn as like, basically it's like she treats them as co-rulers of, of Aquarius. And I was thinking about it and I'm, and you know, I can do both. I can, I can see that. And I was also thinking in terms of, of an evolutionary direction of astrology. It's like Uranus was discovered what? Was it 19... 1740s, 1760s? Oh, 1740s. Oh, 1800s. Yeah. 18th 18th century. Sorry. 18th century. It's been around. Yeah. It's been around. Because I was like, yeah, I mean, I don't think we can, I don't think you can, you can just toss aside Saturn and be like, okay, this is the new evolution of, of the signs. Now Uranus. I think, no, I think Saturn is... But it's but they work great together because Saturn provides a structure for the innovation of Uranus, the ideas, the streams to come in. What was interesting when you were talking about structures, though, and building structures, something I'm seeing a lot of and we've been talking a lot of is just tuning into your own authenticity, tuning into your own innovation. We don't want to copy a bunch of structures that have already been created. Like why? Why would you? Someone already did that. Why would you? Now, I'm not saying that just because someone did something that you shouldn't start your business or you shouldn't make art about that thing. Like, I'm just saying, make absolutely sure that whatever your or me, you know, not to use a you, a you statement, but you know, like for me, I would, I would say then, well, then I want to make sure that say someone makes a movie about this astrologer. All right. And then I, but I'm really connected to it. And I really feel that I can, I can tell a story about it. It's like, cool. Then you tell your story. Like you stay in your lane, like don't, don't go and just tell the same story. Do it, do it in your own creative way, in your own, you know, your own special way. And I think that that's, very scary for some people because you want you you want you don't want to take a chance necessarily because like something tried and true maybe we can repeat the success here but i think that's part of the aquarius challenge for us it's sort of like okay here's aquarius and the future technically is unknown it is not clear now you can tap into it and that's going to be your superpower is having the courage to to bust out and try that thing that everyone thinks you're crazy to try doing and you're like no nah, I don't know it's I got a feeling and and go with that <laughs> it's really I mean this is about the timelines though and this is about your future self because your future self is with you all the time and if you yeah. can use your intuition your higher mind and also your heart really to tune into that frequency of your hopes and dreams and inspirations and you know the 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 piece of you that understands what the dream always looked like it's all yeah. always still authentic authentically you that piece of it is nobody else's and it has a unique frequency and the more we understand that because again with the saturn lesson of understanding who you are as an authentic person then from there, you can take those next step forward. But if you're wrapped up in somebody else's story or in some other kind of like submissive or, you know, state where somebody else's thought forms are running your life, you're never going to get that yeah. truly authentic, independent moment. It's still going to feel like somebody else's. And in evolutionary astrology, 
and we we talk about these states of consciousness, these of final, you know, these sort of final stages of evolution. And there really are the last three signs of the zodiac. You know, Capricorn ruled by Saturn, Aquarius ruled by Uranus, and Pisces ruled by Neptune. And so this Aquarius moment is a real important pivot point where you're moving away from consensus thinking and understanding of being part of the herd or part of the group or, you know, part of like, well, this is how they do it in my school and student government is always run this way. Therefore, it must be this way. And then Aquarius rolls around and it's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to break that up. I'm going to do it different. I'm going to have a democratic council instead of, you know, set rules or whatever the pieces are that you want to change and you want to innovate. And it's interesting when you're looking into astrology as well, where, you know, Uranus as the modern ruler of Aquarius, sometimes you'll see these Uranian transits and it's like, this is when you're breaking free. You're, you're changing things very dramatically. You're rebelling. Often too, it's a rebellion against the parents or a break or separation from your parents or from a family unit or, you know, in our life, we had a very close friend and leader and mentor pass away. And I, at that time, was going through a very important Uranus transit. And there were a lot of people's charts that I read, and a lot of people were going through it as well. And it was a very much of like a rending and a break from the past and sort of a breaking free into this unknown future, which is scary, as you're saying, right? So because sometimes we don't have a vision of what that might look like. And therefore we have to work extra hard to really go inward and know what's true for us as an individual. And then what's true for our community or, you know, whatever new network or circle or group or experience we want to have moving forward. Was that Uranus transit? Were you all around the same age? Was it like a a natal Uranus placement? Oh, it was okay. not a natal Uranus placement. It was people of different ages and it showed up in different places in the chart also. You know, it doesn't, oh, wow. astrology is interesting that way because the planets relate to one another on their own cycles. So whatever age you are, you might be going through, you know, a, a challenging time that might be represented as a square or it might be, a you know, a learning period or it might be a very tense moment. and also depending on, again, the flow of the cycles and at the time of the year and if the planet's moving retrograde and all of this kind of thing, it's going to last longer for some people and it's going to be shorter for others. And that's that's part of what makes us unique and what makes our own energetic and spiritual journeys, you know, we all do it on our own timeline, right? And our own path and pattern sometimes we learn the lessons right away. We get it. We move on. Sometimes we don't. And we go back over and over and over and over again until we learn it. And it's it's interesting to see, right? And if you have a little bit of perspective and objectivity, it, that helps. Because sometimes when you're in the middle of these changes, it's very challenging and very hard. Yeah. When you're in it, I mean, I've had many, I've had many like cycles where I know I'm in it. I know. And there's a part of me and it's probably just the very human part of me that's like, in a way it's like, I have to just let it play out and, and try not to 
get it on other people, really. Like, I mean, when my uncle passed away, I was, I had this really weird, stupid thing going on personally throughout that period. And I was completely overreacting to it. And I knew I was completely overreacting to it. And I also knew though that it's like, all right, I'm actually not okay in this situation. I mean, I was self-aware enough to know, like, and I can say that I was, I was not, I don't want to say crazy, but like, you know how, like, you're just in a state where you're like, this is not, I know like all of the intellectual, intelligent parts of my brain were like, you know, this is what this is. And it's like, yep, I know, I know, I know, I know. And I'm freaking out. (laughs) Like as human beings, we can understand every transit. We can know everything. And this kind of goes back to what I was saying before. And it's like, then why do I still feel like shit? And it's like, cause you're human and you're going to have emotions and feelings and sensitivities and you can try to drown them out with with all of these modalities that you're doing, and maybe you're maybe you'll handle them better. And if anything, my practice was able to at least I was aware. At least I was aware that like this was this this was not this is not normal me, and it's not a big deal, and it's literally something I'm playing out in my psyche and my experience. And so, the fact is, is that you moved through it pretty quickly, right? With that yeah, self-awareness yeah. to allow the energy, sometimes as you're saying, it's like you have to allow the energy to move. It needs to move. And you sometimes it's well, fun. Why not? To... Let's indulge ourselves and have well, a yeah. good time I mean, while we're doing it. I mean, this, and this is what we were talking about before too, which was like, you know, you, 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 you play the, you play the part of the human being sometimes. Like you, we came here to have a human experience. We came here to have some drama and some gossip and some junk food and some bad decisions and some good decisions. You know, you win some, you lose some. Um, but what I wanted to ask you to, I want to talk to a little bit about um, whenever I tune into, whenever I talk about Aquarius or I'm like in some like studious mode you know, the, uh, the word philanthropy comes up and like the collective and these very general words, but the stuff I'm reading right now, like the, the little Chani updates I'm getting on my, on the app, it's all about friendships and discernment. And, and I wanted to talk a little bit about that because does Aquarius, Aquarius rules friendship? But like how I'm, I'm not clear. I don't think because like seventh house, Libra, relationships. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's, in, it's fascinating to, to go through these archetypes because they really do build on one another. Um, yeah. Fr- Aquarius is more friend groups. So collectives, okay. associations, your sorority, right? Your yoga ah. community, your neighborhood yeah. watch group or whatever. You know, I know lots <laughs> of people that are on... <laughs> Yeah, next door. I know so many people that are on these like WhatsApp chains for their entire block, right? And people are always texting like somebody's garbage cans fell over and like did you see it? Well, da, 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 da. Like who didn't cut their tree because the electrical wires down and you know, so that's 
Aquarius. That's more. We're in lots of these different networks and groups of friends. And sometimes they're smaller groups and sometimes they're larger, but it really is that frequency around the collective where it's more than just one-on-one. In Libra, we're having one-on-one relationships. In Gemini, we're also having one-on-one relationships. What's What's the common thread between Gemini, Libra, and Aquarius? signs they're all air signs so we're using very good quiz pass the quiz um we're using our mind and our language to communicate and connect with one another at a higher frequency and in gemini it's like sometimes is represented by best friends or our neighbors or siblings it's that one-on-one relationship we're learning how to communicate We're learning how to share ideas and have an exchange and also have fun and play and really create our own language. You know, when you're young, I'm guessing you did this. I'm sure you must have done this at some point. It's like speaking pig Latin to your siblings or, you know, making up your own language in kindergarten that, you know, some secret code that only you and your best friend knew. Did you do this? No, not the secret language. I mean, I have an older sister and she's only like, she's barely a year and a half older than me. So we were always kind of like clumped together and we could not be more different. My sister and I, she's actually an Aquarius. Um, So we were, I mean, I don't know. We were, so she's, well, how are Aquarius and Cancer? Because I don't think they're very compatible. (laughs) Like, I don't I don't know. I mean, we made it. We got through. We got we we got through it. But yeah. um, but yeah. I mean, I can say though that my my formative years were highly influenced by having an older sister. Sure, sure. <laughs> In <laughs> I don't know if that proved my point. Um, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. I I, I attempted to learn Pig Latin, but I couldn't. I, it wasn't successful. Um. But in Libra, in Libra, we forge stronger partnerships where we're, these relationships are have deeper meaning and deeper understanding, yes. where we're really doing a much deeper give and take at, uh, beyond the surface of like, you like the color yeah. blue, I like the color blue, let's be best friends. <laughs> Um, and we're, we're taking that, we're taking it to, to a deeper level. And then in Aquarius, again, we're going out beyond the one-on-one we're going out into the world We're we're using the structures that we've built and the, the learning that we understand of like, this is how I am in relationship. This is what negotiation means to me. This is what a harmonious interchange means to me. This is what, you know, a non-codependent relationship means to me. And then you bring that out and you create deeper connections um, in Aquarius. And I think that we're also hopefully, you know, more using our intuitive faculties and we're using our mind in Aquarius at a higher level, at the highest level, potentially, where in Gemini, it's just this, these are the words I'm learning in the dictionary. In Libra, we're understanding to see below the surface of what do you actually mean when you say that? And your words hurt me, and right? And there's an understanding of that deepening relationship. And then 
And Aquarius, we're taking it to a much higher perspective, hopefully. Shared goals, right? Your homeowners association, you all have a shared goal of living in this neighborhood and having a nice life or a yoga community. I'm using those as examples because, you know, these are the things that we're involved in. Um, It's it's good. And the other thing I I want to go ahead. No, you go. No, 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 go. The other thing that's important when you're thinking about this, too, is that all of the signs have an opposition sign. And the opposition, they're sort of these pairs. And Leo's Leo's opposite is Aquarius. So, and vice versa. (laughs) Leo is all about the self and the egoic self and the being seen and demonstrating your personal will and the in the what you have to give. Like I'm bold, I'm beautiful, I'm, you know, a royal, I'm the royal presence walking into this room. It's very big, bold, dramatic, also very creative. And there's a givingness in Leo and also in the fifth house where it's represented is like this is where we have romance and where we make art. And we have sex and we date and we flirt and we express these parts of ourselves that, you know, our specialness. And in the opposite, Aquarius is where we're going beyond the personal wants, needs, and the personal love. Like, I'm going to give you love. You're going to love the love I'm giving you, right? And, and, (laughs) or take the love I've got to give. You may not know this, but I'm I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> In Aquarius, we're taking that beyond ourself. We're going out of just ourself and taking it to the public, taking it to the community so that, yeah, you're amazing and you're God's gift, but you're amazing and you're God's gift and you're bringing that energy to your community and you're giving something to the greater good rather than just keeping it all to yourself. How do we balance those parts of ourselves, right? Because we want a strong, healthy ego. We want to have a great time. We want to express our creativity. We want to have great sex, of course, and like shine in all of those ways. And now, how do we take that to the masses? How do we bring that to our, you know, to our friend groups? And how do we bring that? And as you mentioned in philanthropy, how do you bring that love, that self-love towards others? And bring go beyond yourself yeah. and really move into the divine because that's where we're all wanting to go ultimately is to is to merge with the divine and to create an expression of our own, you know, source relevance and communing with the greater unknown. And the evolution of the of the signs and the you know, the signs and the houses, like the 10th house has, you know, you've culminated, you've you, like, it's the top of the chart. It's the, you've taken all of this up to the top of the chart and you've got to, you know, stand up there on, you know, the goat on the mountaintop, you know, I did it. And then hopefully, you know, I think a lot of people have this experience. I was just watching this. Um, there's a little uh, Jim Carrey clip going around where he's like, I have everything. I've, I've done it all. I'm good. Like he's good. He's like, I've, 
I've, I have everything I need. I've done every, I'm good. And he is doing a lot of good right now. He's, he's really like, you can, I mean, it's, it's all subtle too. He's not like marching around, you know, crowing about all his achievements of what he's giving back now. But I do have that hope that people do reach a point where it's like, you know, they took care of themselves. They got what they needed in terms of just that fulfillment, that satisfaction, that like, and then they're ready to not so much step aside, but share the mic, maybe, you know, share, like bring, bring your, and like, okay, you know, I'm good. I've, and I think, I mean, I don't know, like what's enough, right? Like that, that's a whole other, I, I I can't even get into that. Like what, what is like, when, when do you reach that point? But I think you see it, you see it when people are sort of like, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I actually, I have everything I went after. And, and I think that's something a lot of us are also trying to integrate into our lives as it is. It's like, how can I, how can I give back? Because even if I haven't achieved everything that I want to achieve, it doesn't have to be a linear thing. It can, you know, we can, you can have like an extra half hour and, and see what you can do. Like what you were just saying, like you were helping a friend of ours today just because you could. And, you know, it doesn't have to be these huge sweeping, you know, million dollar donations to a university. It can be as simple as I have some time. Of course I can, I can do this for this person or whatever. And so. volunteer for the neighborhood watch. Yeah. I mean, sounds awful. maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe go sit on the HOA board so you can actually start giving some opinions about how you feel about the HOA board. <laughs> Oh, wait, well, I, ha- is- I could have a voice democracy. Yeah, I mean, and I think this is very important, certainly for our time. And here in the U.S., this is an election year. And this is also, it's like, what part and role do you want to play in the greater community? Is it the, you know, Capricorn, well, the people with money are going to do whatever they want, so I'll just, you know, stay silent? Or is it the Aquarian way where the people are going to let their voices be heard? Um, It's been a real interesting and it's sort of exemplified by this Pluto energy moving from Capricorn into Aquarius because this Pluto represents, you know, power and empowerment. And now the people are hopefully, if they do it right, will engage at a deeper level. But, you know, we've all been burned a lot by what's gone on in the last 15 years. And it's very painful, whether you've experienced it directly, things like cancel culture or, you know, getting steamrolled because somebody else has a louder microphone and they're asserting their power, or maybe they have more money and therefore, you know, their money buys more ads and it's going to drown out this idea or something like that. And so, this is what we're just starting to confront in a way is the people and the populace. And this is Aquarius. This is part of that energy. Um, There is very much of a rebellious energy here. There's unpredictability here. Um, We're the rules. We're just throwing them out the window Right. And and that, too, is if we can go to that higher mind place, 
air sign, right? Where we're actually looking for a deeper experience of one another, of our communities, of our friendships, of our, you know, the greater society, and also of ourselves deepening that love relationship of, I figured out like Jim Carrey example that you said, he figured it out. He got everything he wanted. He, he used his egoic self and he put himself out into the public eye and he, you know, plied his arts and he did all of the things and got the achievement. And now he's reaping the benefits. So will he rise up? and open his heart even further in that giving state, Aquarius, or will it go backwards? But I think too, like, even in his heyday, he was doing a huge service to people. I mean, he's making people laugh their asses off and just, you know, just doing, just being the stupidest looking person to get the laugh. And I mean... And I wanted to say, I also wanted to say too, like this Aquarius Uranus energy isn't new either. It's like, you know, Aquarius rules the internet or the internet falls under Aquarius. It's like, well, Uranus has been, Uranus and Aquarius have been at work forever. It's just why we're sort of talking about it now is because Pluto's in Aquarius and it's going to, it's going to shake things up um, archetypically sign wise whereas you know uranus has been in in um in taurus for a little while and we saw you know we saw shakings already start with you know crypto and we were already we've already seen we've already seen what aquarius slash uranus can do so i do think that in this this experience that we're all going to have, this this nuanced experience is going to be a version of Aquarius, Aquarian energy, let's say, that maybe we just haven't felt before um, on a more, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, I don't, I feel like it's not even event. It's not like event driven. It's like a mood. <laughs> Like, do, do, do you know what I mean, though? I mean, Pluto's a slow roll. And yes, it, it does play out in events and phenomena. But I think even for myself on just an internal intuitive level, I think I feel like I am thinking differently. I feel like I am managing sort of how I'm feeling even emotionally, like on a daily basis, I feel like I'm noticing it differently right now. Like there's a heightened awareness I feel like I have where even when I was talking, you know, I was joking about the timeline thing and it's like, hey, maybe this is how a new timeline feels. Like maybe this is how, and maybe it's not bad. Like you don't even know what you're feeling. (laughs) Like, are you hungry, maybe? Do you just need to eat something? <laughs> I wanted to say that in general, too, and we haven't really touched on this too much, is that some of the themes of Aquarius, as we're saying, it's this air signs, higher mind. So in terms of the overall global picture, the themes that will be appearing are technology advances. AI, yeah, aviation, right? Air energies, different air energies, medicine, viruses. We've already had an experience of that. 
that might not be going away. There, you never know. Maybe there's going to be another um, outbreak of something. Uh, viruses go, you know, in some of them go are airborne. Not all of them, but a lot of them are airborne. Um, so information is moving at an accelerated speed, and using technology to transfer information but also using technology to control the masses and control the public is also been is going to come up and be an issue and we're starting to see this in the news with these robot dogs that the cops are using in different um police districts starting you know across across the country and it's like they're voting on it and the people don't want it but the powers yeah. that be, right? The people in charge, they want it because they they don't know. They're scared. What the public, the people, they're yeah. going to rise up and they're going to assert their independence and they're going to come after us and they're attacking the status quo. Well, that's, you know, yeah, the people are asserting their independence and they want more social equity and social justice. And on the other hand, that's a threat to somebody or something or some entity. So this is that push-pull in these, you know, Capricorn Aquarian archetypes and who's, you know, Pluto always wins, right? Pluto will ultimately transform that whatever, because Pluto is constantly moving and regenerating. And so Pluto is is looking for change uh, all the time where things are going to go, where they're going to end up is happening, right? Where they're, they're the exploration into the fields of science and technology. And again, of these higher frequencies, UFOs, right? The, all of this disclosure stuff. It's like a lot of us are just like, yeah, whatever, you know, it's there. We know there's aliens. It's cool. And some people are freaking out about it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Sedona, we're like, you know, Oh, it's just like, you know, no UFO parking here. No, no, no parking. This is, this is a, I mean, the conversations I've had since I moved here. But I mean, it's, it's funny too, because like you can go on a UFO tour here in Sedona and they give you those night vision goggles, which we really want to get a pair, Ian and I, because I mean, I mean, the sky is spectacular, like on a new moon specific, like when there's no moonlight and you can see with the naked eye, these very, um, unidentified moving circles of light and they aren't satellites and they aren't airplanes and they, they sort of look like these drunk drivers. You can see it in those, those Stephen Greer documentaries. They talk about it. Like, you can see them with the naked eye here in, in Sedona. I have seen them. And, like, we'll be like, oh, yeah, there's one. There it goes. Now, I don't know. I don't know what it is. So, technically, it's unidentified. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I just – it's funny, too, because I've been hearing – I've been hearing – there's a lot of – interesting things going on about air travel like there's a boeing there's a boeing aircraft that i think i'm not sure if it's been recalled or but i like southwest grounded a bunch of planes because yeah, no, the window like popped out in the middle of the flight yeah. of an airplane so there yeah, yeah that was that was fun yeah yeah and you know i've done actually i did a ton of air travel this last year more than probably in my whole life 
And it's funny too how like there's just things I I sort of take for granted when I fly, but since I flew so much, I was actually like seeing some articles about, you know, the radiation factor and even physically I was feeling a lot of inflammation after certain flights and I'm like, wow, this is I really feel for flight attendants, I think. I mean, that is like that's a hardcore job, like being in that compressed state for so long. Um, there was something else though about the the Aquarius archetype, something you were saying, oh, with, well, with Pluto. Now, do you agree with this statement? Because I was reading in the Robert Handbook, The Planets in Transit, um, that Pluto, when it's when it's transiting, tends to start out just with just it's like a destructive force it, it's like coming into like steamroll basically and then when it goes retrograde it backs up and then goes direct again and drives over it again but do you think and i don't want to get into predict prediction here because neither of us can obviously predict anything but you know we saw it in 2008 when it entered capricorn and and our our big our big example for pluto at work is the the housing crisis and the market crash and all that at the very beginning of 2008. So, I mean, what do you think? (laughs) It's in Aquarius now. It's like, I mean, the first thing I would think is, oh, well, the internet's going to go down, you know, but that doesn't really, that doesn't track for me because the internet is part of the, it's part of us moving forward. It's part of the evolution. I think that, well, there's been a lot of, uh, I guess I would say two examples in the last year, you know, the Pluto's moved into Aquarius for the second time and there will be a third. Right. Um, but you know, when it last year, when a lot of this stuff was going down and the, and then the amp up towards this movement was one was the s- sale of Twitter, uh, which in many ways is one of the most, you know, Aquarian types of experiences, which is just a, a completely on, you know, it's a uncentered, is that a word? Um, it's a, it's a, it's a network of individuals all around the world connected through the ethers, through the air. And um, Elon Musk, an innovator and a billionaire and a, you know, plutocrat really um, asserting he had a vision, a very specific vision of what he wanted. Um, he came in and and he bought it and he tr- transformed it, you know, to, to where it's a shell of what it was at the time that he bought it, just in terms of usage and, you know, in terms of staff. I mean, there was 75 hundred employees or something. And now there's a a quarter of that number. I mean, or whatever, you know, whatever. I don't know exactly all the numbers, but the bottom line is he came in, he bought it, he had an agenda, he wanted this X thing and he's, he did it. He turned it around and what people knew as a place to go as this sort of you know, social hub to follow things like earthquakes and fires and breaking news and, uh, you know, threads on all different kinds of conversations, you know, football games and baseball games and this, that, and the other has really been diminished because for a variety of reasons. So what's, what that is going to turn into is something else. And I don't think that his vision has been ultimately executed. I think it's still in 
my guess is it's still in progress. So it'll probably morph into something else. And then the other thing was just the rise of AI and ChatGPT. And as a utility that all of a sudden this new piece of tech really just came out into the into the world and people were like really stunned by it and are just now, you know, using it. Oh, did you know this feature? And oh, it's so much easier this way. And I get to write sales copy. And oh, we have a question about, you know, Pluto and Aquarius. Let's ask ChatGPT. Um, So there's a whole, there's a, those two things I think were sort of two, you know, markers or identifiers of what's going to happen. And there's just also a lot going on in the world of medicine and the world of, um, you know, telemedicine also, for example. And it's, I'm not sure we're just at the beginning. So it's, it's definitely going to be curious to see what will happen. Um, there's certainly been a lot more social networks, um, that I don't, Yeah, I'm not someone who thinks the internet is going to fall apart. I just think that we're going to, I don't think so either. Something we haven't seen. I will say though, when you're talking about Elon Musk, you know, I'm just thinking about the Twitter files too. And Pluto, Pluto reveals that, that which was hidden. And so the, the sort of transparency that he was demanding, but also like just highlight showing the censorship that's been happening too. I mean, I think that's a really important um, revelation that we got from that also. I mean, I like that. I like that, you know, Pluto doesn't choose sides either. It's like, you know, you shine a light on something and, and so that's what it is. It just, it is, <laughs> it is what it is. And I think that's what can be so confronting to many of us. Like, but I like this mask that I put on every day and it's like, well, too bad, you know, like, um, there's something else too. Go ahead. I wanted to say something else about the media that's been really interesting is that there's been a proliferation of independent media outlets where the, you know, newspapers and the, you know, these large media organizations, they're just not meeting the needs of communities anymore. And also there's been so many layoffs. So there's all these amazing, intelligent journalists, and they've been in many ways been forced to go out on their own, right? Because of these layoffs. So there's a lot of these new, um, sources. But this is also, this is this duality, right? On one hand, you've got so many new voices, like go to Substack. I mean, you can find information on anything. And at the same time, everybody wants a little bit of money. So it starts adding up real fast, right? (laughs) If you're wanting to, to get news from reliable sources or people you trust. So one, you have to wade through a lot of people to figure out who's real, who's not. You have to use your mind, use your brain, use your intuition and discernment. And so, but then it's like the network has scattered so far. It takes a lot more effort to wade through as an individual. And one of the terms that we've been using for many years is info dementia. There's so much information we shut down at a certain point. And what's happened as a result of this is that nobody trusts anybody anymore. And everybody has 
an opinion and everybody has a slant and they say they're independent, but they're not really. They're just on their own giving their opinion versus having some objectivity, which is what sort of old guard media used to stand for, where if you read, you know, the Boston Globe or the Atlanta Journal-Constitution or the New York Times or, you know, whatever, you felt like you were getting a somewhat objective perspective. Um, Yeah. Not as, you know, lightweight as USA Today, for example, but at the very, but at at the still, you felt like you were getting detailed, uh, researched, solid data. And now we're like, well, I like this guy over here. And I think they have something interesting to say. And, but I don't totally agree with their politics on X, Y, and Z, but these two issues I like, but those four, I don't. And then, but then I've got somebody else over here. So it's hard. It's harder for all of us to to know what's true. Yeah. And this is one of the downsides of the Aquarian age in this in this era, the coming to be. And I think that like, I mean, I had I took journal journalism in high school. And you know, God bless Carol Zimian, my my teacher, because we were drilled with basically the integrity of of writing for a newspaper and any time it even sounded like we were opinionated in one of our articles and it wasn't in the opinion op-ed like big red slash like you can't use that word that word like you're you're it's you know yellow journalism and you know I do think we're all getting a lot better because I don't think anyone really saw it coming. It was a very gradual shift with with media where it's like, hang on a second. This is like, I mean, I read a New York Times article one time. I forget, I mean, it was a while ago because I don't really read the major media anymore. And, you know, I was like, this is this is a front page article and it's, this should be in in the opinions section because it was so obvious that they were, I don't even remember if it was like politics or what, but I do think though, I think a couple things. I think people are, are getting smarter and I think that the major publications can't, they can't fight the social media. They can't fight the like cats, like the power's out of the bag. You know what I mean? Like the, the information sources that they were privy to are now wide the fuck open. And anyone with a cell phone can send you a breaking news report about something some politician said, or the, what happened, how, how did, why did a fire do this? And it didn't burn that part. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. So in a way it's like, the power is in the people's hands right now, which then, of course, is another layer of, well, but now we have this problem to deal with, which is you've <laughs> got like 70,000, you know, now we've got 70,000 New York Times Instagram accounts, like meaning like 70,000 civilians reporting on this one thing. And it is overwhelming. And it is like, I mean, I'm on a very need to know basis at this point where, but I do see it too in my feed. I mean, I definitely follow people that are independent journalists because 
honestly, part of it's entertaining. But again, you know, it it really does fall into how responsibly can we handle all of this information as the collective, right? Like if you're only getting your information from this one Instagram account and that is therefore shaping your, you know, shaping your overall view and perspective on the collective, that's kind of, you know, it's on you. Yeah. It's kind of none of my business, but, um, and then again, like how much can you take in? Can you only take in one, one newsfeed a day? I think too, and this is where that sort of Leo Aquarius in many ways, that energy kind of comes in, which is watch people's egos, right? Is it, where is the information coming from? Is it coming from a place of objectivity or collective understanding or, you know, where this desire to, to, to focus on the greater good, or is it my ego says this and I'm right and you're wrong? And we'll see how that continues to play out because I think a lot of people are just tired of this game and they want, you know, they they want information that they can trust. But the systems, again, Pluto through Capricorn, so much of it has just been destroyed. And a lot of that has been deliberate. I mean, if you read... Um, you know, some of the things that some of the groups, political groups have been doing and their agendas, and they've got a deliberate agenda to have done this piece, which is to sow distrust and to, um, to really make people feel isolated. And so we're always going to be at this moment, we're certainly dealing with that polarity and how do we address it? Right. And I think it's about connecting with like-minded people who you might not always agree with. And it is very good to be around people that you don't agree with hundred percent. But also for people that have an interest in really tuning into their own intuition and tuning into their own higher mind and really understanding and wanting to get out of the truth of all there is rather than the truth of somebody trying to make a buck. Or the truth of somebody trying to control you. Right. Well, and, and, you know, that, that, like, one of the, one of the most beautiful phrases in the world, agree to disagree. You know, like, you and I have very differing opinions on certain things. And it gets to the point where it's like, I'm not going to change your mind. You're not going to change my mind. We're just, so... Let's talk about something else, which is like, I mean, hearty debate, man. That's what like C.S. Lewis and J.R. Tolkien were doing at the Eagle and Child in Oxford, London. Like they'd sit there and just debate God at each other. I mean, and look what came out of it. Two extraordinarily different masterpieces of of fantasy, if you will. And and they were like buddies. So it, even though very divergent. Um, but you know, something I wanted to say too, because I think it, it really ties into us and our Aquarian pursuits is the same thing with psychics and channelers and intuitives. And, you know, nothing sets me off more than some smug psychic intuitive sitting somewhere and being like, this is how it is, you know, something channeled me. I I channeled this last night and this is what's going on. And I'm like, maybe, 
maybe, maybe for you, maybe you had a great, you know, or, or just like touting any, the thing that like, really, I mean, I just want to punch but like when when I'm when I'm sitting across from someone and they they're they're talking to me like they know more than me and and not not that they don't not that they're not getting some kind of information stream that maybe I haven't gotten but this idea that they have the good, that they have something I don't or they know something I don't and I think we I think a lot of us have run into people like this where it's like you know, they they actually don't know everything, and they don't actually have the gospel. This is and this is a, an interpretation. Maybe they have. I feel much better when someone will couch what they're about to say with, you know, well, I think it might it could be this. You know, even just to soften it a little bit and keep it open and be and just be that self aware that this is what I'm getting. This is this is my opinion. This is my thought. You're asking me, this is my hot take and take it or leave it. But when, when you get someone with that ego, that like what you were saying, and it's just sort of like, this is, you know, this is what's going on. And you're like, okay, well, I'll take that into consideration. Thank you. (laughs) And, you know, I think that's a very important discerning tool that people in our in our circles and people that might be, you know, I, I'm, I want an intuitive or I, I'm looking for a healer or I'm looking for someone who can, you know, help me get to get to the bottom of this trauma. A lot of, there's a lot of well-meaning people, but I'm just thinking you really want people that have some self-awareness around it too. And if it smells like there's some ego, keep that in mind because the ego is not necessarily out for your best interest. Very important PSA. Thank you for (laughs) sharing that. It's true. It's absolutely true. And I think that this is very dangerous territory because then it gets into this whole paradigm of, you know, somebody else knows more than you do. And it's not, that's not the intention. I think I know a lot of healers that are, their approach really is take what works use these tools should they resonate with you we're opening a door to discovery right that's another that's a warmer approach and allows you to sort of enter into that field with comfort and clarity and again from your own perspective because ultimately here it's we want to activate our own individual higher mind because with better discernment, with better clarity, with better access to our own intuition or a deepening understanding of, you know, how the universe works or how we work within that universe or how we operate within a community or within social networks or within our family or within our work environment, the more understanding we have of ourselves, the better we, the more we can give. And isn't that the joy. I mean, one of these things, and I think that, you know, might be overused a little bit too, is if you're feeling down, if you're feeling a little depressed, the best way to get out of it is to help somebody else. Get out of your own way and help others. And there's a lot of opportunities out there. And I think that working with 
people of the higher mind or accessing the higher mind, hopefully, you know, in a positive way will help you get there. Um, I would also say too, is like Aquarius and this energy of the higher mind is representative of what we're talking about. Astrology, consciousness, the quantum field, um, you know, tarot archetypes or Enneagram, human design, the new gene keys, which I don't know if it's that new, but it's, it's new-ish. Um, and it's a whole other realm out there. It's a whole other understanding of who we are as individuals. And it's getting downloaded into people's psyches. And then it's coming into the world. And people are using it more and more to understand who they are. And then they're bringing their best self forward. And you and I have talked too. Yep. It's like, we're operating on our human design right now. We're manifesting generators. We're doing lots of different things. And it gives us energy. Let's do yeah. more of that. Let's do more of that in this in this time, Pluto and Aquarius. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, as we as we make this, as we step into this new age or we're already in it, it's like basically everybody's been driving this sort of Ford Model T. And then and all of a sudden it's like this Model T is not going to get me very far. And realizing that you not only do you not have to drive a Model T, but you have this whole other crazy design that because it wasn't a Model T for so long, you're like, well, it must be wrong because everybody else is. And that's what's been really um, liberating for me, understanding human design is like, you know, I grew up in a very academic household. My parents are both English teachers and, you know, you and I had similar upbringings, but we also had a very similar, I mean, man, I love the eighties. Right. But that, that paradigm for us was, was, you know, you do this, you, you know, you do this homework and now you do this homework and this thing and this thing. And, you have to finish the book and write the book report and, you know, welcome to my life now where I have like 20 books, you know, 30 page, you know, just bookmark, bookmark all over the place. But that's how a manifesting generator works. It's like you read a little bit of this, you read a little bit of that. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like, oh, I'm supposed to be doing that. Oh, I'm supposed to be driving this weird sparkly motorcycle hybrid thing with a, you know, and not the Model T. Yeah. It's a fascinating <laughs> period, I think. And this is what's, it's all about exploration and it's about innovation and creating our own systems and picking again, what's right for us, cobbling it together and, hopefully creating connections that have deep meaning and that really will change the world. I mean, I, I, that's what I'd like to see. I'd like us to be way more involved in this expanding consciousness and understanding that where the limits were and being able to blow past them and with through knowledge and through intuitive, our intuitive faculties, we can do that more and more. And like what we're talking about in your masterclass too, is like the evolution of our own hopes and dreams. Like we didn't, I didn't even know I could dream about this particular thing or that particular thing. And, you know, we've talked about how things, things that we want now, we didn't even know existed 10 years ago. And, you know, I, I, I came to terms with like, I, you know, I set up to be an actor and, I'm not sure when I 
really knew that I didn't want to keep pursuing it, but it did occur to me. I'm like, wait a second. You know, I, th- I think about the thing, the dream you had as a child kind of thing. And I did have this dream as a child. Like I can go back to when I was, I don't know, three or four and I wanted to be in plays and I was taken, taken away when like the Nutcracker was on TV. My dad has this story of me like holding my blankie and just like staring at the screen and this magical lighting and, you know, just, just what, what is this world? Right. And then fast forward to, you know, I'm in my thirties. It's like, well, hang on. I mean, it's okay to not have that dream anymore. Like it's okay to not feel like I have to be loyal to it or like that I have to see it through if I don't really want to do it anymore. If I don't, I didn't want to go audition for, you know, this thing, that thing. I was like, I don't, I don't think I want to do this actually. So thank you, three-year-old with very little consciousness (laughs) growing up in the late seventies. Like, guess what? There's other things we can want right now. It's fascinating how we can watch. I mean, I had similar experience, similar, similar, but different, um, of what I thought. What? Tell us, tell us, tell us your experience. I think that <laughs> this is a t- this is a time to dream, dream big, dream big, folks. This is all I want to leave you with: dream big, change, do something different, do it different. Whatever it is, whatever industry you're in, do it different. That's what the new age is calling for. It's calling us to really rely on this deeper sense of who we are, of what we want, of what we want the future to look like. And to go in it, we can create our future vision and um now. I mean, it's not even it's we're co-creating it all of the time. And I think that hopefully over time we'll just get more used to it and more used to it. And we're gonna use that frequency to the of the water bear, right? That that nectar of the gods, that flowing force of this Aquarian frequency to really raise ourselves up and come together with others to create a really magical future. That's, that's my hope. Yeah. I think too, it's what we were talking about. Remember how we were talking about the language too, like how, and I'm one, I'm, I don't know. I was making little jokes to myself because I mean, we've all had some really just, let's just say far out experiences, even just in a meditation in like a yoga class, like you come out of it and we're all kind of just like, (laughs) and there really aren't words to, to use. And, you know, I was talking to Shakti Sita and she's just like, she's in India and having all these like incredible audiences with Rinpoche's and She's like, amazing. Like, what what word do you use? Like, when I'm describing a crystal to somebody, I'll be like, I don't know. It's really cool. But it's 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 like, and I do wonder, is this when we're going to start speaking light language? Maybe. I'm not there yet. (laughs) But I'm also like, well. I mean, I've got, you know, okay, um, 
yeah, I mean, it's really magical. This piece is just so magical. And I'm like, is this, is this when I'm going to be like, well, fuck it. Do I just start making up sounds to express? <laughs> like, are we all going to break out into song? You can go on YouTube and watch the Pleiadian, <laughs> these Pleiadian videos. The first time I saw one, I was, I, I literally was speechless. I didn't understand. And and then I real and then the person I was with would kept saying, no, 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 these have been around for years and years and years. And I thought this can't be true. Like, what is what's happening? <laughs> I love it. But I do, you know, why not? You know, there's a decoding of language. And I think that, um, you know, there's more and more being revealed all of the time. I, you know, this is an actually interesting thing that I, I is kind of a, a hallmark in some ways of this era, which is that because computer systems and AI have really grown in their capacity and they're just you know, expanding. And so the data that's uh, coming out and growing is just going to be monumental. So I have a friend, young woman who is at um, Stanford University and she's studying the classics. And I said, are you doing classical archaeology or classical literature? And she said both. And what's happening in the field right now is the machines are taking texts, texts, and um, uh, um, like basically glyphs, um, taking uh, monuments, taking going into you know churchyards and going finding all of these you know sculptures and things like this of of um, language that has not ever been translated, and the machines are translating it for the first time ever, and. So much is now coming out um, from antiquity, from all of these old texts that we just didn't even know. So it's like the acceleration of information as we're talking and this journalist and that one and da, 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 but also now really going beyond towards antiquity and like probably go back into Egypt, go back to Samaria, like all of these places, not just, you know, ancient Greece and Rome, et cetera. There is a whole fountain of information that is going to be revealed and we've got more on the way. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that these, you know, dead languages or information that's been hidden, it will continue to come to light. And um, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm ready. I'm ready. We're going to, you know, uh, people will be going to Mars in our lifetime. It's happening. So you never know. When they get there, all of a sudden, there's going to be some new language or, you know, vibrate, vibratory frequency that people are going to be able to, to understand, I hope. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. What's that movie, Arrival, with Amy Adams? The, the um, Yeah. Where she was, like, learning language with them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's a whole other wild ride, isn't it? Because like here we are launching ourselves into a future and tapping into the future and tuning into the future. And in doing so, it's going to rewrite our history. It's going to like reveal angles of history and it will probably retell stories that were told in a certain 
uh, perhaps agenda fueled way, you know, it's funny because we actually had a friend, um, my family, they're, they're the minister of my parents' church at one time. His wife uh, was in, she like translated Coptic language from, like she was, she was one of those translators. And there was this, it's so funny, I was listening to this podcast where there were these uh, Dead Sea Scrolls, but I guess later they were, they were shown to be um, fraud. And they actually talked about my my family, like they mentioned her, like yeah, and this researcher took a look at them, and I'm like, oh my god, we we knew, we know her, but it's it's pretty, but this I feel like this, you know, these these artifacts, these historical, um, what we have understood and accepted to be the translations, kind of up for up for discussion now. So it, it's going to work both ways, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So bottom line, keep an open mind. You don't know. (laughs) One day you're going to be speaking light language and you're going to love it. Well, we're not even going to speak. We're just going to use, we're just going to use our ESP and our, you know. That's what I would like for sure. Well, we're already, I mean, we're already kind of doing it, you know. Yeah. Subtle body. It's all about the subtle body. How many times have I gotten texts from people and I just texted back, psychic, because I was like just thinking of them or I was just about to call them. And it's just fun now because it's like, oh, goodness, I didn't, I, they texted me. I didn't have to text them. <laughs> yeah. More synchronicities, the more we tune into that higher frequency. Mm, we're going on an hour 20. Ooh, la, la. wrap it up? Right. Time is, time is of the essence. Okay. Um, Joanna can be, well, if, if one, once we put this up, it'll have our, our information on it, right. Our, our websites. And so I can say, just look at our bio and you can reach out to Joanna or myself. My brother just texted me. He's going to be working on our artwork and he wrote, what's it called again? Something Aquarian age. And I said, this Aquarian life. Thank you. And I guess that's where we'll end. Okay. See you next time. Okay.